Hello and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle. Thank you for joining me at www.sonic-cinema.com as well as the Sonic Cinema Podcast YouTube channel. Uh, click subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube, Good Pods, basically anywhere you listen to podcasts, the Sonic Cinema Podcast is there. We've had a lot of really great discussions in the past couple of years, and I'm looking forward to adding this one to an, to that list. I've been looking forward to this discussion for a uh, long time. Uh, you can also check us out at patreon.com backslash sonic cinema. There you will find um, series like Leaving the Collection, like Life Soundtrack, as well as uh, First Watch, just brief little overviews of why I've watched for the first time as far as older movies, early early access. Uh, there's some things about my music that are interesting on there, and that's at patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema. We are still in the month of horror, so I will go ahead and use this time once again to plug my horror-inspired album, The Cold Wind of Horror, available on Bandcamp. And... You can use the promo code Horror Music for uh, 15% off of your purchase from now until uh, November 3rd. And then also, you will be able to purchase all my discography um, at Bandcamp for 35% off, and that is at Bandcamp. So we are going to go in a slightly different direction than we normally do with horror this year. Uh, we're not going to do a traditional uh, three movie sort of anniversary type uh, segment like we have in the past couple of years. Um, we talked about Dracula earlier this year, earlier this month, the different iterations of Dracula. And this this time we're going to be discussing a uh, horror from Viet from Vietnamese filmmakers, and this is a uh, topic very near and dear to my guest heart. And it's part of the reason, one of the reasons I was so excited to have him on was because of the fact that he is extremely passionate about. Um, Gang people to, more exposed to Vietnamese cinema, in part because he is from Vietnam in himself, and he is a fantastic film critic and writer who actually um, we'll we'll talk about where you can find his work. But uh, he's had some very exciting opportunities come up in the past few. Um, months, and I'd like to uh, take this time to introduce my guest, uh, Wen Lee. Lei, thank you very much for joining me today. Well, hello, 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 or, you know, as we uh, like to say it in Vietnamese, uh, xin chào mọi người. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's an honor to be here, and I very much appreciate the kind words. Um, I've, like, like with pretty much a lot of my guests, fellow critic guests, uh, I've known you on uh, Twitter mainly, but also other social media for several years, for a few years now, and so I've wanted to have you on the podcast, and 
I know that some of our mutual friends, you've been on with some of our mutual friends, and, you know, that got me even more excited about uh, having you on here. And one of the things that I like to try to do, especially if I'm bringing somebody on, I like to um, talk, to, talk to them about something that's very passionate to them, something that interests them. And we'll get into more of that, but bef because this is your first time on the podcast, I'd like to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself to uh, the audience and why, what is it about film that has inspired you over the years to want to write about it and talk about it? Um, well... Brian, I have to say that I think my journey into film, I have been told it's quite uh, uh, unusual, but in a good way, not not like in any nefarious way or anything. So don't don't y'all get any any ideas. But <laughs> the thing is, um, so uh, long story short, um, my family they are actually i would call them like cinephiles or like very intense uh film goers however there's only one kind of uh one specific kind of film that they wouldn't uh, venture uh mainly because of the uh, language barrier is that uh it's called english speaking films now, I would say that I've been uh, privileged and fortunate enough to, uh, you know, receive a, uh, you know, a uh, foreign language education and the fact that I, I also turned out to be adept at it as well. So, you know, I just thought that, you know, maybe I can use that to, quote unquote, uh, alleviate that particular obstacle for them, so to speak. So one fine day, I can't, I can't remember the movie, but I just, uh, I just asked uh, the adults in the house to like, okay, so you want to watch this, uh, so you want to watch this uh, Hollywood movie, right? So how about you just put the DVD into the player, just press play, and turn on the English subtitles, and then I'll just translate the words on the screen straight into your ears. I'll sit right next to you, and I'll do that. So one film became 10, and 10 film became 100, and now I think it's around 2, easily 2, 2, 2 12, 2, 15 films already. But um, yeah, so... Uh, so, you know, it, it, got, it got to a point where now if you talk to my 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 dad my mom my sister my uncle and my aunt i mean if you talk to them about blade runner 2049 they will know what it is basically uh but um and also you know the byproduct of from that activity is that you know i have to watch a film multiple times in order to you know like get the translations right uh finding the equivalence of you know certain uh, linguistic nuances or, you know, colloquial expressions and, you know, so on and so forth, just to make sure that my translations are, you know, quality and correct and precise, basically. So, you know, I want, and, and the pipe, and, you know, the byproduct of that is that I have to, uh, you know, I get to 
understand a little bit more about you know why is this frame this way or why is that uh, why is the you know the choice of the music at that part was like so or you know why why is the why this line of dialogue here is like a, a double entendre or foreshadowing so on and so forth so basically like I can do some like preliminary analysis of the film already from the hobby that from from my hobby and so yeah i think that's how i got into writing about films and also you know just uh, i guess just a little 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 thing about me is just that i feel that i express myself better in writing rather than speaking and also i have major stage fright so you know writing helps <laughs> yeah and i mean i i'm i'm with you as far as you know i we're on podcast right now and i've had this podcast going on for about nine years but to a certain extent i do still feel like i myself express myself easier through writing more than the spoken word. right i mean i think right. part of that is because of the fact that obviously you can take your time with what you're writing down. Whereas, especially in a discussion like this, it's more stream of thought going from one thought to another. But, mm -hmm. you know, in trying to keep all of those thoughts going, you know, it's easier for me to focus on what I'm writing about than, you know, you know, sometimes, sometimes you'll, if you're speaking, you're going to lose sight of, like where you were talking about. Yeah, exactly. And also, again, the fact that, you know, English is my second language. So, you know, let's take this, let's take this instant example. So, you know, every single time that, uh, you know, every single time that you speak, I actually translate all of what you said in my head first, and then to prepare an answer, I also have to translate that answer from Vietnamese to English before I can deliver it to you. It's a whole process, but it happens so fast now. I, uh, yeah, sometimes I don't, I, I, I won't be, I won't be even aware that it's happening, but it, it does. That, that's how it does. That's how it happens, basically. So, so you're, you're currently, I know you, you recently moved back to Vietnam from Correct. America. Um, Houston, Texas. So. <laughs> what is, I'm I'm sure you could list hundreds upon hundreds of differences between uh living in America especially in Texas versus living in Vietnam but um what is what are some of specifically focusing in on movie going and movie watching what mm -hmm. are some what are some of the biggest differences between American audiences and Vietnamese audiences in terms of how they watch movies that you've noticed? Oh. Now, this is a fascinating, a fascinating question because I haven't had to think about this in English yet. I have been <laughs> asked this, but I haven't had to think about it in another language. So let's see. Um, Well, let's just try to get this out of the way. I, I don't, I myself don't like to beat around the bush so much. But uh, first thing first is that, you know, the etiquette, the, the, yeah. the etiquette is very, very different. 
Yeah. I mean, sometimes, sometimes the uh, cinema going etiquette, the cinema etiquette in the U.S. is not, you know, it's not that ideal either. But then, you know, you have certain measures in place to make sure that, quote unquote, pe- people get in line. Right. However, in Vietnam, it's uh, it's almost like a laissez-faire kind of situation. Um, I have a, I have attended, uh, you know, uh, premieres or press screenings where, oh, here premieres are also press screenings. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, so premieres slash press screenings here, uh, you know, sometimes people just, you know, go ahead and pull, uh, go ahead and pull out their phones. I can actually read some of the uh, Facebook message or the Instagram, uh, posts that, you know, they write every single word. Yeah. So it's uh it, so you know. And um also because we like to watch uh here we have a concept called uh, uh you know almost like a figure of speech. So we have a concept called like film tai as in like western films as in just films from overseas. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't have to be a US film. It it can be a film from the UK. Yeah. But uh, doesn't matter. We just lump it all together as in a, a Western film. So uh, we like to watch that a lot. And then we are very, 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 did I say very? Very dependent on the Vietnamese subtitles that are provided uh, with the film, that are burned into the footage as well. Mm-hmm. And also because I, uh, I am a translator and subtitler on the side, uh or whenever i have free time i do notice that the uh, you know the quality of the subtitles it can be hit or miss mm-hmm. so usually because a lot of people here they have to watch uh the movie and they are dependent on the subtitles you can you can hear a lot of uh whispers uh, you know audible whispers in the auditorium that are like Babe, what just happened? I don't get it. Like, could could you tell me what could you tell me what happened? Or like, who who is this guy or something like that? So, it's uh it's very interesting in that sense. And um, another thing that I can say that is pretty different between uh you know, uh cinema going in the U.S. and cinema going in Vietnam is that, um, we. We do, we do love to support uh, films from our country. We do love to support uh, Vietnamese, uh, you know, films made by our very own people. But the ecosystem, or uh, in in a sense, uh, the resources available for us to make a film where people can support, and they realize that their their investment their their mental investment their their support they're showing up for it is worthwhile sometimes it doesn't there's there's no payoff and uh, there can be a lot of debates there can be a lot of you know anger in the media or in the discourse afterwards so i mean a lot of people they just say that be that it's just a say la vie like a way of life kind of thing but then to me it's just something that um when you write about vietnamese films you gotta you still have to put that 
uh, let's just call it limitation for now. You just, you have to put that limitation into consideration because otherwise most of your criticisms about Vietnamese films are just going to be uh, unpleasant and negative because you will automatically compare the craft or the filmmaking of a Vietnamese film to a uh, film from the West. And that's not a level, that's not like a, that's not a level playing field. And that makes your criticism questionable in that sense, because you did factor in the, uh, you know, the certain limitations that you have, if that makes sense. No, that does make sense. I mean, and the thing is, it's like, I, I mean, you know, hearing hearing you talk about that, and we can go ahead and start to pivot into um, Vietnamese cinema in general. I, you know, I mean, I, you know, and it's one of those things where I, the only comparison I would have in terms of the West is, you know, comparing something produced by the major studio versus something that somebody basically had to crowdfund to get money for or basically just had to max out their credit cards to get money for and they didn't necessarily have the same resources to do proper sound mixing or maybe coloring or you know in and so sometimes the sound can be a bit rough or the image is not quite as strong as it is but it's like you know, for me, watching a film like that, the most important thing for me is the story. So long as you get what you're trying to convey in this story, I can forgive a lot of technical qualities in a film. You know, if there are some technical qualities that are lacking, I, I'm willing to overlook, you know, technical issues in a film so long as you tell me a story that's engaging, so long as you tell me a story that you're clearly passionate about and engage and hooks me in. And uh, I mean, you know, I, I think there's I think there's a lot of people who, you know, and I, I do think that it's, you know, I mean, we're we're at a point, you know, I mean, you you've no doubt seen it on Twitter constantly. It's like we're at a point where media literacy and the ability to look at film and appreciate films for what they're saying thematically, for what they're saying emotionally is an all time low. You know, I, I, I right. always feel like it is. And um, so, yeah, if, if you're just unable to, if you're unable to just look past some faults, I mean, you know, and some some movies have no excuse. If they cost like a couple hundred million millions of dollars, you expect the best product out there. But if you're, you know, it, you it's easy in that case to see people cutting corners and not making as good product as they can. But um you know, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I think a lot of people, they expect every, they expect every movie to look the same way the big studios make it, and that's not necessarily fair to the people who don't have the 
resources of a major studio to make a film. Right, right. I mean, so right now, uh, Vietnamese cinema, or you know, the as like the topic that we're you know specifically focusing on today, like uh, Vietnamese horror cinema. Um, I noticed that nowadays, since uh, you know the country, we have open open our doors a little bit in terms of like what can be filmed or you know what kind of uh, what kind of. Um, images or messages that we can convey, we, we are more uh, quote-unquote flexible on that front right now. So I would say that, you know, it's booming. There, there, there is growth. There is growth here. But as you've said, it is growing in a time where appreciation is actually, or, you know, the art of appreciating cinema, it is in decline or at an all-time low. So that is something that has been on my mind for a little while because, you know, it's almost like it's almost like you have just finished a very tough uh, program uh, at you know, university and you are about to enter a job market that is not as robust as you think. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, feel, I feel like you know, uh, oh, it's maybe it's a little bit, maybe what I'm saying is a little bit pessimistic, but uh, I like to say that it's, uh, I like to say that the optimistic part of that the pessimistic assessment is just that it's not set in stone yet. No. It is still very uncertain. So, you know, I would say maybe if we just, keep on doing our thing, you know, keep on staying our course and who knows, maybe tomorrow is going to be a different, it's going to be a totally different scenario than what you imagined today. So mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know, but right now it's just like, it, it, it's a, it's a very funny situation that is going on here. Yeah. So. yeah. No, absolutely. Um, you were, you you were talking about how it does seem that Vietnamese cinema is starting to open up more. Um, mm -hmm. Was there so? I I will admit that I am not well versed in Vietnamese cinema, um, and uh, you know that's part of the re but that's part of the reason why I wanted to talk to you. It's part of the reason why I wanted to talk to this to to you about this subject because. I know from reading your work just how passionate you are about getting people engaged with Vietnamese cinema. Um, right. And you talked, you've talked about the industry in terms of, you know, how it's started to grow over the decades and how it's starting to expand now. Um, if you could give us a little bit of an overview of what the industry has kind of looked like over over the years. And I mean, obviously it doesn't have to be a blow by blow, like, oh, you you know, it doesn't obviously okay. you don't have to go through the extended the whole extent of Vietnamese film history, but just a 
rough overviews to how it is starting to expand in uh, recent years. Okay, um, and uh, I'm also gonna uh, try to you know uh, talk about this, but with the you know uh, with uh, orientation toward the horror scene in Vietnam, okay. if that's okay. That is perfect. All right. All right. So, um, uh, you know, for the longest time, the horror genre is actually one of the most uh, difficult. Uh, thing for filmmakers or creatives here in, in Vietnam in general to tackle uh, strictly because when we have a horror material on hand uh, we really have to consider the uh, you know the fact that you know we we won't be able to uh, tap into the horrific elements that the the cinematically horrific element, uh, elements that we want to tell uh, simply because uh, here as written in the film laws is that we have to ensure that the artistic content that we are delivering to you uh, the film goer it has to value uh, truth, goodness and beauty and also it is very 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 well specified in the film law is that the art shall not include any content that is about uh, that is about the uh, the supernatural or superstition or elements about the two the aforementioned two that could cause chaos and incite the public to be uh, to live in fear. Something like that. So, um, so it's just so sometimes you know if we if we are to include uh, elements of the supernatural in uh, horror films here, we have to at one point, usually the ending, we have to make sure that you know the elements are in somebody's head. The uh, you know they are just uh, dreams. Or, you know, they are just, uh, you know, they are just, you know, some, somebody pulling, somebody pulling a prank on the, uh, somebody pulling a prank on the characters. So sometimes in order to go around that, you know, to, to avoid, uh, you know, violating the law or, you know, seeing your film being cut to bits that at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's not your baby anymore. So uh, we, ha- we tend to make, we tend to address the supernatural in comedies. And the weird thing is that, you know, the funnier your film is, the more horrific your images can be. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, if you want to watch some of the most, uh, you know, thus far, some of the most horrific, uh, you know, at that, at that time, if you want to watch some of the most horrific uh, horror imagery that, you know, our creatives can cook up, you have to watch a comedy. That that and, is uh, that is fascinating. Yeah. So so basically, uh, you know, in other words, the more serious your film is, the le- the not the non scarier it will be. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then you know, if I like, if I'm being like, if I'm being a little bit more professional and serious, it's just like you start out the project, uh, you know, 
with a horror vision, but then your final product is only going to be a very good thriller. Okay. But sometimes that that is not what you want. So, uh, but uh, as I've mentioned, you know that we are opening up a little bit, and this little, this this the you know that 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 thing the the, the opening up thing it happened because in around I think not not so not so long ago recently. Let me try and remember. In around 2016 or 2017, I would say maybe 2017 because uh, it happened late in, uh, like, on the eve of uh, on the eve of 2020, uh, 2017. So yeah, let's just go with there. So on, uh, so 2017, Vietnam finally implemented a film rating system. Okay. So by following that, we can actually we being like the creatives and the censorship board as well. Both of them can actually have a better idea of, you know, the kind of film that they want to make and the kind of imagery or the kind of, uh, you know, the kind of content that they are going to be showcasing in their material. So it's, um, it's still young and it's still a work in process. It's still, you know, a, a work in progress is still there are still debates about it but at least now there is something that you know will provide a much shall we say standards in terms of like what what can we what we what can we do what what can we what can we insert what can we show to you right uh like we're going to show this certain themes uh, certain themes or certain images and we know that it's going to land us into this rating system. So you see there's specificity in that as opposed to before where we're going to show you these images and we're going to show you these uh, themes, but they are going to be dependent on the person who is going to censor your film. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, uh, basically well, what I'm trying to say is that maybe, you know, rating system are like, like a like a blank face, like a standard, like neutral ish, as opposed to like you're depending on you you are dependent on the mood of a person on that day, the <laughs> or you know the uh, uh, the I don't know the experiences of a censor that day, or the fact that you know the censor that you know will approve your content maybe will not be the person who is going to be deciding the fate of your film out in theater. So, you know, it's just, there, there are standards and right. there are, you know, things that we can, uh, you know, a more solid board where we can pin things on, okay. so to speak. All right. <laughs> so, so it sounds, so based on what you just said about, you know, your ring system over there, as mm-hmm. you well know, we have our own absolutely chaotic rating system over in the states that has been right. That's basically completely messed up at this point. Uh, probably should be uh, redone entirely, and uh, you know, just maybe not as maybe not as uh, prudish as it seems to be. Um, <laughs> 
Really? Yeah, exactly. I actually thought that I actually thought that you know, uh, you know, when we decided to implement a rating system here, I was just like, yes, I'm so glad we are following the MPAA's rule. But now mm-hmm. you're saying that it's not it's imperfect. So 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 here so here so here here's what I was going to say. So it sounds like you guys are basically at the you you are basically at that point over in Vietnam where you're going from the production code that was in place in Hollywood and like the from the 30s to the 50s which really right. did center around censorship of making sure things were presented a certain way to the early start of the MPAA in the 60s and the rating system it's it's taken decades for the MPAA to get to the point where it is now which is right. basically an absurdity in a lot of ways. Um, <laughs> the fact that they basically count sexuality on much more stricter scale than they do violence, and you know, it's it's just it. I I I wrote about twenty five years ago in college, and it was just and it was a disaster then, um, you know, but. Uh, but no, and the thing is, I what I find interesting, especially, and we will, we can go ahead and uh, start talking about Vietnamese or talking about the films that uh, I watched uh, for this in particular. What's interesting about that is you talked about the supernatural, how you had to present the supernatural in a very specific way, and that's really only started to. It seems like that's only started to shift in the past few years as you've gone towards a a rating system. Um, mm-hmm. What's interesting is that all three of these movies that you sent my way are before 2017, and all three deal with the su- supernatural in very very traditional terms in terms of the tropes and the the ideas behind the supernatural. Um, right. So I guess my biggest question is how did the filmmakers of movies like Spirits and Hollow and Vengeful Hearts, how, how did they work around the restrictions at the time when it came to supernatural to tell the stories that they did perfect uh perfect question thank you for asking so uh, uh but before i go in before i go in into answering your question i would like to preface uh two things uh, spirits and vengeful heart they're from the same director yes and all three films are actually directed by vietnamese americans okay or americans of vietnamese descent okay you know okay uh and yes so how did they all get around that because if you notice in all three films uh the uh there is a very uh, one, one of the core one of the core components of all the, the of uh, all the, all the films narrative is that uh, it, it is something called i i'd like to call it like karmic justice mm-hmm as in, like, if you do good, then you get, uh, then you, you know, you receive goodness. And if you do wicked, then you receive wickedness. Right. That is essentially 
that is essentially the I think a thematic summation of the stories in the all the three films that you watch. Yeah. W- would you agree? I I would definitely agree with that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Also, also especially uh, for uh, for the films Hollow and Vengeful Heart. And this is also in some way connected to the karmic justice thing as well. Their third act always revolves around, you know, crime and punishment. And obviously you get, you will get punished for your crimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is- so that is something. Yeah. So that is something that our culture really likes to promote, really likes to encourage, uh, you know, through, through, uh, through different forms of, you know, messaging uh through different forms of media as well we we always emphasize that point is that you know you should do well and you should be this is a civilized society so you should uh act accordingly uh act with civility to be specific so you know it's uh the the, the third acts of those two films vengeful heart and hollow they are representative of that 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 does make a lot of sense. That that really does make mm-hmm. a lot of sense. And yeah, I mean, it was it was something that was very I I was definitely very aware of. Where it's like mm-hmm. as I was watching the movies, and it's like you do very much. It it is very much a uh, like there is a morality lesson that yeah. you can uh, learn from these supernatural uh, cinematic experiences. It's not just simply you know a scare fest. Yes. That are uh, you know that are a, a, a lot of a lot of uh, films uh, in Hollywood. Let's call it that. Uh, do that, you know. Mm-hmm. And also um, another thing that I another thing that I like to mention is that again, especially for a hollow and vengeful heart, the evil will never win. Mm-hmm. The uh, Goodness prevails, basically. So here's a funny thing. (laughs) Here's a funny story that I just remembered uh, by saying that. You know, talk to me. uh, But first, you know, before I go into any deeper, talk to me. Uh, How did you find that film, Brian, if you've seen it? I'll be honest, I have not yet seen it. I have not had a chance to see it. I'm, I'm behind on a lot of horror movies, sadly, this year. All right, no worries, no worries. Uh, I, I'm just asking in, in order to know, like, how much could I speak about it, uh, you know, but still having you, uh, you know, intrigue uh, instead of feeling like, oh, wait, my guests, my <laughs> podcast guests just spoiled it for me. So, okay. Uh, I guess I'll, uh, since you haven't seen it, I'll, 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 I'll deliver to you the short version of it. So the ending of Talk to Me when it's here in Vietnam, it's actually altered. <laughs> there have been alterations made to the point where I ask a lot of people who have seen it, they just say that um, I absolutely do not get the third act of Talk to Me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I know that something is up and i know that it has quote unquote violated some of the uh uh shall we say measures or policies even that i have li- mentioned to you okay. before 
So I just decided that, okay, if I'm going to see Talk To Me, I guess I'm going to, you know, maybe travel to Thailand or Singapore or Indonesia in order to, to see the di- quote-unquote director's cut version right. of Talk To Me. <laughs> Which I did, by the way. I did, I, did, I, did go, I, did travel, I did travel to Singapore to visit a relative and then I just used my free time in order to see... Um, uh, in order to see uh, Oppenheimer, Barbie, which is banned in Vietnam completely, and Talk to Me, which had its ending altered in Vietnamese theaters. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, pretty. Wow. Um, I mean, pretty interesting. I hope. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. Yeah, um, having to go to a completely different country just to uh, just to watch a movie in its original form. Um, yeah, I mean... What do you mean? Director's cut. (laughs) Wink, wink. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, over over in America, all we have to do is just spam a studio for uh, years with a particular hashtag to get that, them to pony up $70 million to make that happen. Um, (laughs) Right. I don't know which film managed to do that. I don't yeah, know. I, I have I, no idea. I, it, it, it escapes me right now. Um, mm. But anyway, let's switch back to the subject at hand. Um, I so you you uh, the the three films that you uh, sent me uh, were all on YouTube because they're not really available in the United States. And I, I think that is you know and. It, it's wild because of the fact that it's like that one of the things that streaming has theoretic or the purveyors of streaming mentality have theoretically uh, promised us is that everything is available. And of course, anybody who is, you know, conscious of, you know, that knows that that is not true. And it's, it's, uh, you know, it is uh, saying something that, you know, when we were talking about this and you were you were working on suggestions for me to watch that all three of these films ended up on YouTube, not in any official manner and <laughs> not necessarily in the best quality. But, um, you know, but the thing is, it's like, I'm... I am glad that we do have people who are willing to make movies like this available. And I, I was captivated by all three of these films. I, I really, I, I really found them all fascinating. And, you know, you know, even though I haven't seen a whole lot, even though I hadn't seen Vietnamese or, um, before these films, I had seen, some Asian horror. So it's like there are some tropes in these films that are familiar if you've seen stuff like The Grudge or Ring You or and uh other Asian horror. But Dark Water. The, right. But the thing is it's like I I think it is that sense of that sense of morality, that sense of karmic justice 
that plays throughout these films that and especially the last two, but I think it's in Spirits, Spirits as well. And I think that, but that one, I I have some, I have some issues with one particular part of that one. Um, we we can talk about it a bit later, but you know, it's like I'm not quite sure how I feel about that one. But I mean, I, it certainly ties in well with the idea of karmic justice and all three of all three of these films. Um. Mm-hmm. So when when did you first watch these films? My gosh. Um, well, first of all, I'd like to say I apologize for you know sending you YouTube links to watch uh, representatives <laughs> of the genre from right. our country, but at the same time, there is no other freaking way to you know see yeah. them. So we we do you know it's it's yes exactly I was about to I was about to say it is a legitimate we make do kind of situation and that is also you know by saying that I would also like to share that is exactly the the most horror like the most horrific aspect for me my own horror story regarding you know writing about the. Sorry, writing about Vietnamese cinema or, you know, Vietnamese horror. It's just that, you know, I may write something that is very intriguing for you to read. But let's just say that you're my editor. You read it. And then you ask me, um, this is very fascinating, Win. Where can I see this? And I have no answer for you. Yeah. So, and now, because you can't see it, there is a chance and there tends to be and you know that tends to happen it's just that is Wayne writing a lot of baloney here like is he trying to is he making this film more fascinating than it is or is he like writing an entirely new treatment here for me to see in terms of and in the form of a reporting so you know you have doubts because you can't access the film in order to see it for yourself or it's or like it is too damn hard in order to, you know, get access to it. So it is something that, you know, with me being here right now and me with me with the experience that I have amassed, I'm I'm trying to change that. Basically, yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to let local creatives think that, you know, just because they have always been making of making films that satisfy local audiences that is not the limit. They can do so much more. Their creative product can be so much more. They, their creative product can actually reach out to uh, audiences beyond Vietnam. Yeah. And, you know, it's... Uh, or, you know, it's, if I'm being more harsh and I'm, if I'm being harsher and I'm actually being blunt about it, I would like to say that, you know, your film you are actually shortening its life and its reach before it could see its life in full or before it could realize its entire reach, basically. So, anyway, enough of my... I I have vented. Thank you so much, Brian. (laughs) No problem. So, the thing thing about the spirits is that... um, And Spirits is the first film, is my introduction to Vietnamese horror. 
And I know the film is made in 2004, which would make next year being its 20th anniversary. I hope to write, I hope I get to write something about it. Um, I, I saw, I first saw uh, Spirits, I think around, whoa, like 2008, 2009 or something like that. I don't know how my cousin acquired the DVD for it. I'm not going to ask, but yeah. Uh, but that was, but that was the most, I think that was one of the more fascinating cinema going experiences that, oh, film watching, sorry. It, it wasn't shown in theaters. Uh, it was one of the more ex- uh, interesting film watching experiences that I've ever had in my life up to that point, because, you know, I never thought that. I never thought that I would live to see a, a Vietnamese horror film or a horror film that is predominantly in the Vietnamese language, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I know the, the case for Spirits is actually pretty interesting because, it, because in some ways it is a more, you know, if you have to be really granular and specific about it, Spirits is is a more Vietnamese American kind of film as opposed to a Vietnamese Vietnamese film because, um, uh, you know, uh, just an interesting factoid that entire film was filmed in a, in a backyard of a home in Santa Ana, California. Oh, wow. So, yeah. (laughs) So it's, uh, so we have a kind of like a, uh, scent of the green papaya situation where the Vietnam that you see is actually recreated from, uh, you know, memories and created in an environment that is to be as straightforward as possible, not Vietnam. Mm-hmm. You know, center of the green papaya, the entire thing was filmed on a sound station in France. A lot of people were surprised when I, you know, when I say that to them, but that's what it is. <laughs> so, um, but the thing about but the thing about spirits is that, and this is also what distinguishes it from the other two films. Even though, even though one of even though Vengeful Heart, as I've mentioned, is from the same director as Spirits. Did you notice that the Did you notice that the the ghosts or the apparitions in Spirits are actually way scarier than the other two films? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. The fact that you know they are they are portrayed and they are uh, edited or they are framed in a way that you can never say that it's in the character's head, right? Or it is just you know a character under the influence and then they see things. Mm. It, it it is real. It is it, basically. <laughs> So, um, yeah, that was my introduction to a Vietnamese horror. And, um, yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't perfect. I have to say, because the Vietnamese spoken in that film from the, uh, from the, uh, from the cast, uh, it's not perfect Vietnamese, but then at the same time, I really, really, really appreciate them for trying like mm-hmm. big points on that. <laughs> 
Well, that's interesting that, you know, it, was, it ended up, it was filmed in California. That's interesting. It makes me kind of wonder, it, it almost kind of makes me wonder if some of the uh, things that that film accomplishes might be a byproduct of the fact that it was filmed in America as opposed to being filmed in Vietnam. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, but yes, you can definitely see that it is, is made on very sparse, you know, limitations uh, in terms of budget, in terms of uh, resources. But the thing is, it's like, I, I think when the movie is going towards the supernatural or when the movie is going towards uh, looking to make you take notice and really, really feel unsettled, it really does accomplish that. I I love the, you know, some of the, when it, it seems like whenever it takes place during the day is when you can see the limitations the most. When it takes place, when they film at night, when it takes place at night, that's where the, you know, the filmmaker's able to, bring in that less is more aesthetic and using shadows and using atmosphere and using lighting to really get under her skin in a lot of ways. And I love, and the thing, the thing that I, I love so much about spirits more than any of them is the structure. I love that this is very much, it it it's an anthology in the sense that all three of the it's three separate stories, but all three stories are part of the same larger narrative. It's just right. different timelines, and I I in that narrative, and I I really love that about the movie. Right. Uh, so maybe again a hot take. Uh, you thought that Christopher Nolan's structure for Dunker is cool? I'm sorry. Victor Wu <laughs> has done it before in spirits. So <laughs> all right. Well, I think they're gonna I think they're gonna like uh, you know beginning to uh I'm gonna receive like scary DMs and you know, maybe this person has blocked you on Twitter or <laughs> something like that from here. And I'm sorry, Brian. <laughs> it, it is what it is. It, it's it's fine. I'm, you know, I I I have no personal vested interest in anything that happens on Twitter now. So it's like, you know, I'm. It's like I I peruse it and that's it. You know, somebody blocked me on there. Right. Hey, you know what? That's that's on them. So. Right. But yeah. Uh. So the. So the the story of spirits is basically about a man, an author who comes to a, he's a drifter at the beginning of the movie. He comes into a house right. at night, uh, caretaken by a young woman who lets him stay there. And there's a supernatural twist in there. And we find out what it is. And it's it's very evocative. And one of the things that I really liked about that is that it's it it gets to something about him but also opens up 
a larger mystery that we're going to start to see unfold in the other two sections as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we go, and then the second, so that is the visitor. The second one is only child where the, the man is now in, an, it seems like he's, he, is he in an institution? It sort of seems like he's supposed to be in an institution, but he's seen by a doctor and the doctor, he falls in, love with his nurse and the nurse falls in love with him and their relationship is very rocky and we find out there's might be some otherworldly reasons for that as well and i definitely want to come back to that because that's that's the part of the film that i i think really left me with the most pause um but it's still fascinating in the way it presents things and then we get to the diviner where the nurse has passed away and this is years after they've been married and the author is still alive and a psychic is has basically been brought in by the family to try to get answers for the uh, the woman's death. And we right. see, we see how that unfolds. And I, I love that there's, there's almost a different, you know, you were you were talking about how sometimes the scariest things at the time, you the way to present horror elements, horror images, and Vietnamese horror in Vietnamese cinema for a long time was through comedy. The thing that I find interesting in this is that each story here. It's all rooted in the supernatural. It's all rooted in horror tropes. But they almost take very different genres in approaching that. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's that's one of the thing that's one of the things I'm so fascinated about with this film. So in a way, uh, to continue off your point, I, I guess in a way, what makes our uh, our being like a mm, Vietnam or of Vietnamese descent, you know, what makes our horror stories so special is just that because of the limitations that we face, uh, because of, you know, the, yeah, mainly the limitations that we face. (laughs) So because of them, we can actually, you know, approach the, um, approach fear in a way that is, very tender or very evocative to uh, a perfect word that you use, by the way, Brian. Uh, So in some ways, would that make us like, quote unquote, ahead of the curve a little bit in terms of how, you know, nowadays, especially like the films of, uh, or the films of the series from Mike Flanagan, where, you know, it actually, it actually, does a really good those films his films they do a really good job in showing you that you know sometimes the most horrific thing that you can experience or sometimes the mo- the scariest apparition in the genre is actually your sadness mm-hmm. but you know it seems to me it seems like it's a notion that is only popular recently as opposed to like way back around the years that you know um 
spirits uh, was made or uh, hollow was made even. So I don't know. That's a good, I, I think, I think that's a good question. Uh, that's a good place for me to place a question mark. And that is also a good question that maybe I should be exploring. Well, and, and the thing is, it's like you, you know, my, and the thing I love about, I, I'll admit, I have not watched uh, Mike Flanagan's series. I just, I don't always have a lot of time for uh, series. Unfortunately, I'm, I have not seen any of them, but I really want to because I, I think Flanagan is a tremendous filmmaker as far as horror. Um, but I mean, the thing is, is like you do, there are, I, I think to a certain extent, that's going back to, there there are times in the past in horror, in like the 40s, 50s, and 60s. And I think especially in the films uh, produced by Val Luton in the 40s, you can kind mm. of see that element of emotional aspect and tenderness coming through in something like Cat People or I Walked With a Zombie. Mm. Um along with the supernatural elements of it. And I mean, especially in even the uh, sequel to cat people, which I really think is uh, quite an underrated uh, film in the Balutin series that he produced. Um, you really do get a sense that there's a, a sense of humanity towards the people that this horror is, uh, is being felt by. And I, right. I think that is, uh, that's, I mean, so I, I think in a way that's, that's probably where Flanagan is coming from. And I mean, you can see it in movies like doctors sleep and, uh, even, even Gerard's game, you can kind of see it to a certain extent. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that is, that is true. But then at the same time, I would say that the, uh, the films and the filmmakers that you have cited, they get to, they get to, how should I say it? They get half more freedom in exploring those, uh, exploring how horror can be emotional. And at the same time, they can go to, they can make said emotions way more intense than Vietnamese filmmakers can. Yeah. Because we can only reach to a certain point before we get receive a tap on the shoulder from from the censors. So, <laughs> uh, so, and I mean, I've talked, I, I have talked to the creatives here, and they said that you know they do realize that um, they do realize that sometimes they sometimes the things that uh, the the one thing that they have to. Uh, devote their resources uh, mentally and physically to in terms of developing a horror project is the workaround as opposed right. to what they actually right. want to say. Right. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, uh, so it's, it's very, it's a very interesting situation for a creative as in, because as much as I am on the camp of, you know, uh, limitations to an artist can actually, uh, 
uh, entertain and excite their creativity more. But at the same time, that very notion that I believe doesn't seem to bode very well for uh, Vietnamese filmmakers and especially, you know, Vietnamese horror filmmakers. Right. So, you know, it, it, it forces me to think a lot. <laughs> oh, I, oh, no. And I, I can, you know, because, I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, in one, of my favorite, one of my favorite filmmakers of all time is Andrei Tarkovsky. And, I mean, I adore his work, but you also, based also on me studying about what he went through in, as a filmmaker in Soviet Russia, um, he, he struggled to get what he wanted to say. And, you know, he's, he's somebody who's very, he, he's almost in, in a way he's almost, I mean, it's, it's been said by other people, especially when it comes to 2001 a Space Odyssey versus uh, Tarkovsky's Solaris. Um, he's, he's almost the more humanist individual equivalent uh, to Kubrick, uh, who's very chill. Right. Um, but Tarkovsky, I mean, you can see in his films, there's a center of, around the individual and the responsibility of the individual that to be a person unto himself that just flies completely in the face of what uh, the USSR wanted. And so that's why Tarkovsky ended up making his... As part of why Tarkovsky ended up making his last two films outside of Russia, because of the fact that he just was not able to say what he wanted to say under those restrictions. Um, and and the thing is, it's like when you have talked about the limitations of artists, you know, at least before, as they've before they started to get into the uh before they started to implement a rating system that that makes my issues with only child and spirits make more it makes more sense to me why it had to be portrayed this way so in only child and we are going to get into some spoilers here the nurse is unable to do is una in a way the the nurse is really unable to give her give the author a the life that he wants which includes children uh for a long time and we come to learn that she is haunted by the fact that she has had several abortions over the years and that just uh and and that that sense of that sense of the loss of innocent life basically follows her to where when she does have a child on her own of her own it is it is born with deformities and i'll admit when i first watched when i first watched the film i'm i'm seeing here and i'm thinking wow this is very this is this is very pro-life propaganda when it comes to being against 
abortion. I was still fascinated by it, but it's like, I'm not sure how I feel about that. But hearing you talk about the fact that it's like, well, you know, you have to, in under the restrictions of censor, censors, it has to do with something karmic justice. If you do something good, you, you're rewarded. You do something bad, you're punished. It does, as, as uncomfortable as it makes me to admit that, it does fit within that perspective. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> I, get, I totally get uh, your reasoning, you know, but at the same time, that is very much a reflection of our culture. Yeah. Of especially, especially in terms of the collectivistic nature of it, you know, right. as in like we, um, there are certain bonds that we can, that we cannot or should not or shall not sever. And, you know, a mother and a, uh, that between a mother and a child is uh, one one such thing. So, so yeah, I, 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 can, I can see and I understand uh, why you would uh, find it troubling. But, but the thing is, it the same, at the, the same context. time, it's just exactly it works with right. The context it, of the film. It really right. Works. So, right. Yeah. And, but it is, but you know, uh, I mean, it could be, a, it could be a topic that is, uh, one of the topics that, uh, you know, worth diving into if, you know, I get to, if I get to, you know, explore uh, about this film, like, you know, looking back 20 years, what did you think of this element? And, you right. know, so thank, thank you for that. Uh, thank you for incepting that <laughs> idea in my head, <laughs> Brian. So thank you for that. Oh, no problem. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, but the thing is, it's like, I, one thing I will say about that is that I I think that is that is I I think to a certain extent it's like um, that is the contract that I think filmgoers go into when it comes to watching movies from cultures from countries that are not their own. We we. And that is where is valuable for us to do so. And I, I think, um, you know, and so, and that's, and the fact that was, the fact that, you know, based on what you were saying about the, uh, about the restrictions that filmmakers had when it came to horror, it, it, again, it makes all the sense in the world in the context of this film that's why that happens the way it happens. And the thing is, it's like there is a sense of grief. There is a sense of isolation in all of these stories in, in, the, in spirits. And I think that's one of the things that does, as uncomfortable as it made me, work to this film's advantage as far as making that sense of isolation palpable to the audience i'm glad i'm glad i'm glad it uh, i'm glad it produces that effect uh on you and um but, yeah i think 
at the same time, I feel like I'm not the most qualified person to discuss the that that particular aspect right. any further. <laughs> however, I could I however I could say that maybe perhaps we could also interpret it, it as you know it being it being a horrific thing to her only because she has made it so. Yeah, basically because. Uh, I think that's also an element that uh, it, it, on subsequent uh, subsequent watches of the film, it is something that I only realized then. It's just that a lot of the fears that um, a lot of the fears that people that Vietnamese characters in horror films they tend to uh, they tend to encounter are you know beasts of their own making. Yeah. On one hand, that on one hand that lines up with you know. Uh, being able to avoid censorship because mm-hmm. it is imagined, but at the same time, it is also if you do it right, if you portray it um, with care, then you can actually produce a very, uh, I think, a very evocative yeah. kind of horror. Yeah. So yeah. Well, and it taps into psychological horror, which is always one of the more fascinating. Uh, subgenres of the of horror in general i mean you know it's like some but yeah i mean even even with those uh elements that make me almost uncomfortable and especially because and almost especially because they make me uncomfortable i i found spirits to be absolutely fascinating and i this this uh you know it it really especially knowing why what you've now what you've told me about the uh film industry um it makes so much more sense that why the film uh had those elements portrayed in the way they did and i i was just i i i found myself so fascinated and you know that the thing you know i was i was talking you know the the quality of the youtube clip or the youtube link unfortunately was not very good I it looked like somebody who just didn't necessarily know how to compress the the video quality that well. <laughs> um, but ultimately speaking, the movie engaged me because I mean <clears throat> everything, the narrative engaged me, the stories engaged me, and I I I found that um, I found that that's what made that uh, ultimately a rewarding experience for me. Right. And, you know, uh, now that you mention it, I think I have a point that I also like to add as well. And it is something that I, you know, I I think I only realized while I was out and get my drink, which is that Hollow and Vengeful Heart, the two newer films of the three that that I recommend to you, um, do you notice how they're like um, almost like a a rebuttal to to in particular the only child story in spirits in the sense that it is actually it is still showing a very patriarchal society but then for the narratives of hollow and vegetable heart that actually has consequences to the patriarchy yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah yeah <laughs> no and we so yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, and we can, so it, it is, 
so it is a, a good I, I always want to say that you know it is a good reflection uh, to show that oh how how uh, consciousness and thinkings have evolved over time because see <laughs> because it still adheres to that idea about you know uh, uh, reap what you sow you know you you plan good things you will get good fruits you plan wicked things you get wicked stuff yeah. but now the dynamics change the the, co- the components change somewhat so yeah and we can go and head over to hollow and vengeful heart and both of these were from 2014 and hollow I, i'll admit i mean um Hollow was jarring for a very different reason, uh, but it again it it plays into that sense of karmic justice, and you are absolutely correct that both of these films really do act in a way as a rebuttal to the patriarchal um, uh, sensibilities that are kind of on display in Only Child. Uh, you know, Hollow begins with a girl falling into a river and you know she's found uh, a few weeks uh, like a week later and um, she but she is not dead in in the sense that we think of you know people alive turns out that she is she's I don't know. It seems like there's a possession aspect to it. Um, there is. There is. And, uh, you know, it's funny because of the fact that uh, I did see... I actually was looking up the... Uh, I was actually looking up the director's uh, filmography um, as, be, after I watched it. And it occurred to me that I did actually see one of this filmmaker's... Uh, other films I need to uh it was from a couple of years ago. Um was it uh Micah? Uh-huh. Yeah, I I did get a chance to see that one and uh review that one. I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a good film. And so it was it was interesting to see a different film of his uh different film of theirs and really uh see a different side to to his work in term their work in terms of genre. And so that right. was uh that was that was interesting. But uh and they both are centered around uh children, but this one much, much darker. And uh basically the older sister who is kind of blamed for the death of the uh daughter or is it yeah it's an older sister right yes yeah is blamed for the sister the the daughter's um death uh she's you you get the impre- you get the possession aspect um but the way it is presented here i think is much more chilling than i think most most possession uh films approach it and mm-hmm. there's there the twist of where the possession is coming from and why the possession is happening is 
fits into that sense of uh, karmic justice in a very Batman. unsettling way by what is uncovered as a result of it. Right. And also, um, you know, I recommend you hollow it only because, again, like you said, and, you know, I was actually waiting for you to say that statement. And then you said it because it was it was jarring in the sense that in, in the in a good way, yeah. as in like it's the style, the style when I first saw it, it was just like, this is very different. It doesn't seem to follow any rules quote-unquote yeah. rules that i know it doesn't seem very it seems to it seems almost like dedicated to unsettle you like literally like literally with the you know with the visual language that it employs it does that too and then i and then i just thought that wow that's that seems to be pretty bold considering you know when you do that to Vietnamese films or Vietnamese series, you get to receive a lot of complaints. But then here it's just like, I don't give a damn. I am speaking my own visual language. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna convey it the way that I feel that it's appropriate. And you know, it works for the film. It, it I does. mean, re- re- yeah. regardless of at the end of the day, whether you, you know, whether you resonate with it or not, whether you find it a good cinematic uh, going experience or not, you know, that's, that's entirely, that's entirely for you. Yeah. That's entirely your, you know, you you have your right to uh, hold whatever opinion, but you have, but there's one thing you can't deny. It's just that it is different. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, and the thing is the the style in this movie is extremely strong. I, I love the sense of, the sense of style in this movie is tremendous, and the way the way the film ma- the film the way the flashbacks are done is extremely well done, and the way it's it's a credit to the filmmakers that as dark as the real world implications of this narrative are, they don't feel exploitative. They don't feel like they're done in a way they're done they're done in a way to shock you beyond simply shocking you why as to how somebody could behave the way that the that the uh stepfather ends up behaving in this movie mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's it's just you know and it it's one of those things where um Again, it's sort of, sort of with like only child. It uns, it it makes you uncomfortable, but makes you uncomfortable because of the fact that this movie is so much about. You've seen so much about the stepfather, you know, basically being a uh, being a beloved person, but also being very domineering when it comes to their family. That. You're you're repulsed by it in the same way that you know anybody who finds out about say about like in real life Jeffrey Epstein's stuff is right disturbed by it and the fact mm-hmm. that and the way that it's portrayed in here is harrowing but also not in a way that it's 
exploiting the horror of what that is what what that in would mean in real life right and uh i also i also think that you know another word that is appropriate for hollow is that it it's uh it operates at a how do you say it what, what the word just skip me go for broke mindset yeah does it know that sometimes that maybe it will not work i believe it does mm-hmm. i believe it does but then at the same time it doesn't care it just wants to yeah. try i, I and will... i think and i think i might have to give it credit for that because it was just like okay sure gutsy but okay yeah you are more than willing to do something new as opposed to you know just staying you know do do it like they always uh, they've always done so okay sure and, and the thing is it's like i'm not even sure if i entirely understand the supernatural machinations of the film but to your point i don't really care because the way that the fact that they went for it the way that they did i'm mm-hmm. i'm intrigued and i'm on board with how they're going about it it's not you know it's it's like you know it's how you go about it it's not whether you you know and i appreciate the fact that they challenged me in that respect and mm-hmm. i i love it yeah and Um also I would say that you know uh the fact that uh the hollow hollow is a good example for you know from my perspective hollow is a good example of uh when of you know Vietnamese films in general they they really have one aspect they all need to work on and improve a lot is screenwriting mm-hmm. because sometimes most of the time uh the writer of the films are the directors themselves yeah so and sometimes because as a director they are also learning how to make a film under certain conditions within certain parameters in vietnam as well the navigating that navigating that front alone is already a very taxing like element so mm-hmm. They have to do that at the same time as they try, as they are trying to develop a script or you know making up a story. So you know certain wires won't cross or you know certain ends won't meet, and sometimes that illustrate that 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 is shown. That is shown on the screen. Mm-hmm. I think Hollow, you can see where those places happen. Where the ends don't meet, yeah. or where the you know where certain wires aren't crossed right, but it's um, but I would say, but I would say that it is a it is a thing to look into as as opposed it is a thing to it is a thing to comment is it a, it is a thing to criticize, but at the same time it is also a thing that you kind of want to look into deeper more rather than just simply make a comment on it and then just move on to the next thing. You know what I mean? So, yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, the the fact of the matter is, it's like with horror, there is a long history of films where the style uh, is more dominant to the uh, 
substance, and the substance doesn't always make a lick of sense. I mean, you look at something like Cabinet of Dr. Calgary. It's like you would ar- you could argue that that movie does not really make a lot of sense, but it's one of the towering achievements of silent horror cinema. And I I find myself captivated by it every time I watch it. And, I mean, Hollow, I, I think, is in the same way. But at the same time, I mean, I you do get... Even if the supernatural aspects of it don't completely work, the emotional parts of the film work. And that's what... That's ultimately the most important thing of any film that you're watching. If the emotions mm-hmm. get you the emotional landscape of the story gets you uh it it doesn't matter what else happens right and also i would like i i would say that uh i would also say that you know in terms of style dominating substance this could also be a lot of reviewers have pointed this out too. a lot of uh, uh a lot of audience members i noticed and i remember it now when they point out about, uh, when they talk about Hollow, they also point out that, that maybe the substance is also too Americanized for them because the uh, character of, uh, I think her name, if I remember correctly, her name is Yi, the main, uh, the, the, the older sister. Mm-hmm. She is, she is rebellious. She is a teenager. She doesn't really listen to her parents and so on and so forth. But then, you know, her way is very, to me, it has always struck me as this is a very American teenager. Not so much a Vietnamese one or not so much even like a Vietnamese American teen girl. She is American. Mm. But as it turns out that she only speaks Vietnamese and she, 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 is in a, she is in a Vietnamese film, that's pretty much it. Yeah. But then, you know... It, I just thought that, you know, it's really interesting. And it is a very clear indication of, you know, uh, where you can tell kind of like the roots of the vision of the director. Mm-hmm. Because Pam Tran, he he is Vietnamese American. So yeah. So those so the things that he, you know, he he brought into he brought into this film. Maybe certain elements uh, one could say that it's more it, it's very much it's very much uh Westernized. <laughs> well, and you can also, you know, you could also make the case that that is that that type of characterization, especially in American culture, is something that has been become more and more prevalent. Where it's like, you know, rebellious teenagers, but also teenagers who end up being the hero in a lot of ways, and. Uh, being rebellious is what makes them the hero in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, you you think about stuff like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You think of stuff like, uh, you know, The Hunger Games. You you think about, and, you know, especially in the, the past two decades of American horror, you can definitely see there's more of a leaning into independent... Um, girls who are not just there for bait for the eventual killer. It's it's somebody mm-hmm. resourceful, somebody who can um who who can take care of themselves. And 
it's it's an inversion on the fi- the final girl tropes that American audiences became so used to with these slasher films of the eighties and nineties. Mm-hmm. However, uh, you know. I would say that you know to build up on to build up on what you said, and also to uh, come back to my point, uh, Hollow seems to be very much like because of uh, you can say you, you know, let's just call it a dissonance, really, like you know the characterization or the vision overall is a little bit too uh, alienating to Vietnamese Vietnamese audiences, but. With that mindset, uh, no, with with that with 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 that feature, let's just call it that. It seems like the film, the the creative vision behind Hollow seems to very much had placed faith or placed certain kind of like investment into the fact that you know maybe this film is. Maybe this film is a Vietnamese kind of horror, but then I wholeheartedly believe that I can include certain elements, or I can show certain elements in a way that will appeal, will also be appealing to audiences beyond Vietnam as well. Right. I. I so. Just, yeah. Yeah. And so you know, again, again, you know, going back to the go go for broke aspect of it, it's just like. <laughs> yeah. That's commendable. Mm-hmm. If it does, if, if if that is what the vision has always been all, all along, I'm not sure. I have, I guess, I have to try and meet, um, uh, meet the uh, Anham to discuss. But we'll we'll see. Maybe one day I'll get the answer and then I'll let you know as well okay, <laughs> if you're interested. Excellent. Oh, I I I no, I mean, I was I I absolutely loved all three of these. I I love discovering all three of these films. And I, you know, it's like all three of these films engage me and entertain me in a way that I was very, I can't, I don't want to say I was pleasantly surprised by, but I was, I was not necessarily expecting to, when they first started off, I wasn't quite sure. I I didn't quite know how I was going to feel by the end, but by the end, I was fully on board with what they were doing, regardless of what I feel about some some aspects of it along the way. And um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, with you know, we're we're going back to Victor Vu with uh, Vengeful Heart, and immediately right off the top of the bad decade later, you can tell that over the decades since Spirits, his storytelling. And his filmmaking is infinitely more polished than it was at the time. Mm-hmm. Now, Grant, you tell me the the filmmaking conditions in which he made spirits. That makes exact. That makes all the sense in the world. That his filmmaking would be much more polished and uh, more, um, and would look like there's more muscle behind it. And I, right. I definitely. Uh, I I love that you know there's there's a similar in a way there's a very similar style I think between both Hollow and Vengeful Heart maybe it's because they both came out the same year 2014 but mm-hmm. you know and and to your and to your point meant 
earlier when we started in on these films, they're both movies that basically upend the patriarchy in a lot of, in their own way. And I think that's one of the things that's interesting about this one. Uh, so Vengeful Heart, we start with an car accident that occurs. And a woman dies, and then a husband is waiting to uh, Wayneford's wife, who's having a heart transplant. And we come to find that there's a connection between the two. And the way, I will say, the way, you know, sort, sort of like what you were talking about, with Hollow, it's like the way this, I love the way this movie builds in how it unravels uh, the information here. Because, you know, once you see the wife, you know, feel like she has to, she's driven, she's led to the dead woman's grave, you can kind of get an impression of where it's going from there. And then it goes somewhere completely different, but the fact that the fact that that involves the family of the dead woman and how that involves the family of the dead woman is somewhat is part of the fascination of that. And this is really more of a mystery than anything. And I I just this this movie had so many wonderful twists and turns in the the film that I really you know it it it's not as it's not as heavy necessarily in terms of subject matter in terms of some of the things that it brings up but it does also have those moments that just leave you unsettled especially as the film progresses and we start to really learn the truth about what's going on here right <clears throat> and uh the fact that uh vengeful heart it was the most i'm not just saying one of it was the most successful film in uh in vietnam uh box office in uh 2014 it's uh it raked in massive numbers and then it was for for a while it was it was the only kind of film that people could talk about and and you know i i find it interesting that you say it uh, when you said that you know it's um you feel like this is more of a mystery more than anything doesn't that just you know uh just validate what i have to say about you know sometimes within by operating within limitations in order to get the product made in order to get a horror film made, what you end up might be a very good thriller as opposed to like straight up horror. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, but I feel like, but I feel like Vegetable Heart, uh, it is worth talking about because even with that notion in mind, it seems to, uh, it seems to have discovered a really good balance between the two so that, you know, even though at the end of the day, it may be more mystery than horror to certain audiences, especially to, uh, especially to your perspective. But then I just thought that, you know, it, it works. It works either way. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
And uh, also, in terms of the script, instead of unlike unlike Spirits or Hollow, Vengeful Heart is is an adaptation of a play, and that play, the play itself, was also very famous in Vietnam. So, if I have to if I have to put on my uh, film critic hat for this, I would say that the narrative backbone of Vengeful Heart is the strongest out of the three mm-hmm. because for a very simple reason, because, because the material is an original because the material is actually an adaptation. Yeah. So, yeah. So it has a, it has a much more solid foundation than the other two because the other two, as I've mentioned before, the filmmaking, the filmmaker has to navigate the limitations of the filmmaking at the same time as they have to try to nourish their creative vision. But then for Vengeful Heart, maybe they don't have to do that so much because their backbone is already strong. Right. And also, the, uh, the, uh, uh, I think... There, there's a character. There's a there's a character. He's a montagnard, and he's the I think he's the caretaker of the mansion in uh, Vengeful Heart. He uh, he's the comedic uh, he's the comedic element in the film. Yeah. <laughs> so he he's he's actually the director and the writer of the play. Okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> So you see, we we so you see, we we have really talented and creative people. They are just not operating in an environment where they can uh, flex all their creative muscles in the mm-hmm. best way possible. That's I think that's the best way that I can say it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I I, I definitely uh, no. I mean, you can you can see some of the limitations, but at the same time, I mean, you can also see. I, I, you can see why this movie would have been so popular because of the fact that it's not only it's is it a very exceedingly well made movie, but it's also it is also very entertaining. You've got those uh, those moments of humor, and I think especially especially when you get introduced to the family of the dead woman, and the the husband is not quite sure what to make of things and he's he's not sure that they should be sticking around and he's he his jealousy comes out and i i i think there's there's a uh degree of that that is very entertaining to see but at the same time you also are like okay when's the other shoe going to drop and what's that other shoe going to be and it basically right. becomes well solving the murder is going to be the the thing that you know this is why she's been uh this is why she's been driven to or inspired to come here but the way that we realize oh wow this is not the murder mystery that we thought we were investigating and there's further twists it's it's just you know the like you said, the narrative aspect of it is very strong, and it it gets a little ridiculous. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It gets a little ridiculous. But at the same time, 
you know, each one of these films has has a moment that I think just is intended to shake you when you realize the implications of what this means. And I think in Spirit I've Only Child, I think, is that moment in Hollowed's the reveal of how sleazy the stepfather is in um in Vengeful Heart, it is the uh, realization of where the supposed dead woman has been this entire time and what really happened. And that's, and in that way, I mean, if, if you want to, it kind of remind me, it, it's weird because of the fact that, you know, and I, part of the reason why I'm bringing up American films and part of the reason I'm bringing up other films is to give listeners a context to where my mind is going as far as like if if you felt a certain way about this film wait until you watch this film because I think it's going to shock you in similar ways it kind of this the twist in this one in a way remind me of don't breathe and the twist at that one now granted it's not nearly as unsettling um, but in terms of the way that it subverted subverts your expectations as to oh you feel empathy for this one person oh maybe i shouldn't feel as empathetic as i thought and i i i love when audience i love when filmmakers are able to do that and do that successfully and uh i i think there's a really great example of that here nice Nice. I'm. I'm glad that you know. I'm glad you. I'm glad you have that viewpoint. <laughs> and also, um, and also because, oh, oh, right. I think this is also. I think this is also a good place for me to mention that you know, uh, the you know from that from the jealousy. Well, from you know, from the you know, from the, uh, from the jealousy that you can see in the film, especially from the uh, from I think the husband. Yeah, I I've always had a hard time determining whether it's a it's just a long term boyfriend or it's a husband, but I think it's a husband. For the husband of our main uh, of our main uh, uh, of our main female character, uh, she uh, he is, you know. From there, there's humor in the film. Yeah, and again, you know, it allows for it allows for you know scarier things to happen because you know it it, it in a way yes it dampens certain revelations it dampens certain horrific elements but then that is the only way that they can be in the film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and I mean that dynamic that di- that dynamic is so important to the film, I think. The the fact that it's like, you know, and you get you do get the impression over the course of the movie that they're a younger couple, that they probably have just started their life together and they're thrown into this very heavy situation of not only her, you know, having to get a heart transplant, but also 
being thrown in this situation where they start to have visions and it puts them into this situation that how do you react in this situation? It's like, you know, you're, you know, these people are convinced that you're almost the reincarnated spirit of their lost, the, the person that they lost. How are you going to react to that? And so you're going to have some, some moments that are, you, you just don't know how to react and you, you going to make the best of it is you can. And sometimes humor is the only way to do it. And sometimes, and I, yeah, I, I love, I do love the vein of humor in this film because of the fact that it does, it, it, it does help humanize, I think, this situation in a way that is important to the overall mm -hmm. film, especially given how dark it gets by the end. Right. And yeah, I do agree with that too, as in like, this is a good example of, okay, I know that a lot of people, they, they want their horror experience to be free of humor, which is, which is valid, which is valid. I'm not saying that they're wrong, but um, here, Vengeful Heart is a good example of humor being integrated, being, you know, like it adds to the experience as opposed to uh as opposed to you know uh subtracts it yeah even it's it's subtle enough and it was delivered fleeting enough so that it's just there it made an impression and then it's out as as opposed to it appears it comes in and then it's just it just takes the wheel yeah. <laughs> you know it's just it's just it just assumes uh it just assumes the captain uh, of the ship and then it just runs with it, you know? And a lot, actually, we have a lot of examples where it doesn't have to be horror films even that do that, you know? Where, because, because there are so many limitations and restrictions to what can be shown at the time, it was just like, it's just like okay, uh, we gotta we gotta integrate a uh, humorous element in here, and we gotta let it to steer the ship, steer the whole, direct the whole experience all the way to the end. So sometimes it makes for a very frustrating uh, uh, film going experience for me here because I love to tell you to tell you all more about Vietnamese cinema, but then this is just not a good enough example <laughs> because of that tonal, because of that yeah. tonal whiplash. But here for Vengeful Heart, I can say it, I can recommend it without, without any hesitation because it does do some, it does introduce some stranger keys, uh, more, notes that are quote unquote inconsistent with the overall mood or of the situation, but then it but then it's a part, but then it knows that I am I am and I should behave in a way so that I am adding and I'm a part of the experience as opposed to uh someone who is gonna come in and then just pull the rug from under everyone and all the spotlights on me kind of deal, you know? So, yeah. I, I, 
I feel like this is a this is a great way to close this discussion. I I feel like I've learned so much in the past couple of hours talking to you, and <laughs> this is exactly what I wanted. This is I wanted to get to know more about Vietnamese cinema, get to know from somebody who is so passionate about it. And mm-hmm. to be able to talk about these films, which I really was surprised by in a lot of ways, but also was very engaged by and very uh, captivated by. It really made each one was its own unique, rich experience. And I think that was that was one of the things that impressed me the most because you can't necessarily always say that about horror. Like, I I won't I could never watch a Halloween a lot of Halloween movies or a lot of Friday Thirteenth movies and say, oh, that was a rich experience. It's like no, it's it's not that at all. I mean, even <laughs> other horror movies, it's like no, it, it's it's just a horror movie. Um, so I I want to. I want to close this um, first of all by thanking you for being a guest and I'm so glad that we were finally able to have this conversation and also I wanted to um, if you could recommend if not what do I want to say if you were given one thing to say to recommend to somebody who was curious about Vietnamese cinema. Okay. What would you, what would you say to pitch, I guess, for lack of a better word, Vietnamese cinema? Oh, okay. Um, I would say that, uh, why should you, so why should you watch Vietnamese cinema? Why should you be curious about it? Okay, I got it. Um, because it's very simple. Because there are certain cinema scenes where you get to say that, oh, I love uh, that country cinema scene. Oh, I don't really like that country cinema scene. So, you know, but you can, as in like, you can you can comment on it as in like, do you... Do you have an affinity toward uh, it or you don't? But Vietnamese cinema, I feel it, while we talk about it, 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 for some reason, it manages to find a third way, a third option to that. Nobody knows about it. So you can't really comment on the fact that, oh, I like Vietnamese cinema or like, I don't like Vietnamese cinema you tend to always say that, oh, Vietnam has a cinema. And to me, that is even, that is, that is even, that is even worse than, uh, hearing that that's a Vietnamese cinema is not for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that you don't, is that you don't even know that it exists yeah. or that you haven't even been aware of it. So I just, so, you know, to, to phrase it differently, you, you should check out Vietnamese cinema scene for a very simple reason. It's just that because it's there. It has always been present. It is, it is not a myth. It is 
It is not, uh, it is not, it is hard to reach, but not completely out of reach, if that makes sense. So, you know, and yeah, the fact that many, many more filmmakers now are realizing, local filmmakers, they are realizing now that their creative work can actually go beyond local borders. But this is a two-way street or like a two-party two effort kind of thing. And by saying that, I mean, the create, the, let's just say the new wave of creatives here, they can make a film that will go abroad. But I think that they will be in a safer position or in a more encouraging position when they realize that once they have created their artwork, somebody on the other side is going to meet them in the middle and pick them up to go the rest of the way. So right now, right now there has been a lot of uh, Vietnamese filmmakers willing to be, to meet in the middle, but then most of the responses have been silence because yeah. mostly for the very simple reason that I've mentioned before, they are not aware that Vietnam can produce creative work. Mm. And that is very far from the truth. So, you know, that's why you should check out Vietnamese cinema because we, we have been, we have been present. We have been, we have always been there, but it's just that, uh, so let's just say that if cinema is a barbecue gathering, we would always show up late because we, we have never received an invite. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, I mean, and honestly, you know, I mean. But at the same time, but at the same time, we are waiting for one. We right. have been waiting right. for one. Right. Um, so, yeah. But but honestly, I mean that is that is really the only, I I I think that is that is the only rational, uh, reasonable answer for that is that it's it's there, it's available, or I mean, even mm-hmm. or it's around to be taken in, and I mean, I I am always a strong proponent of people moving outside of their comfort zone when it comes to film. And right. watching something that they may not have necessarily expected to enjoy or expected or even realize existed. And Mm-mm. that's part of the reason why I wanted to have you on here and talk about this because right. of the fact that I'm not as familiar with this. So it, it's educating me, but hopefully this conversation educates others and gets people interested in... Vietnamese cinema, and not just these three films, but the larger breadth of the Vietnamese cinema scene in general. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, I'll I'll take this opportunity to be frank as well. Uh, you know, is Vietnamese cinema at a currently at a position where you know you folks can call it like quality or or have the have as much competitive edge as say Japanese or Korean cinema? No, 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 we're not. Like there, 
literally to to borrow a lyric from a very popular Black Eyed Peas song. You know, they are in three thousand and eight. We're we're still two thousand and eight. So you know, but at the same time, I feel that a lot of uh, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, we are lagging because and we are laggers because because of the you know barbecue get a barbecue mm-hmm. invite analogy. Getting the invite, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you have to show, you have to show interest in you have to es- express your interest in us a little bit and you have to understand that we are you know, we we are lagging behind in order to, you know, have us uh feel that oh, shoot, we're we're kind of slow, aren't we? So that we can prepare ourselves forward because yeah. we keep getting invites from from 3008 just so that we can open ourselves up to the fact that, oh, crap, we are actually in still way behind it, 2008. So, you know, we should move, raise our standards a little bit faster and, you know, do things a little bit better. Because right now, because we haven't received any invitation, we, we, we progress by inches instead of by miles. And, well, but I believe that, you know, an, invita- uh, an invite goes a long way. It does. It does. Yeah. And, and the thing is, it's like, it is, it is a responsibility of film goers to keep film going. I mean, it really is. I mean, the, to your point, the filmmakers can only take it a certain way. They can make the films, but then the, it's the audience's responsibility to experience the films and to let the filmmakers know, we have seen you we want to see more from you. And I mean, that is, that is the, that is the most important responsibility of a film goer is to, is to actually watch the films that are made and to experience the films that are made. And, and it's, it's important to us to challenge ourselves to watch films that may be out of our comfort zone or make us uncomfortable or to or come from someplace that we're not as familiar with and we should be we we really should be because i mean the the yeah i mean cinema is the world (laughs) so (laughs) exactly exactly i mean it's just logical you know because we are creatives and you know specifically we are in the sense of we uh we can comment on creativity so, you know, dang it, be curious. Yeah. Stay curious. Mm-hmm. Be, you know, uh, just go ahead and explore because, I mean, how did Korean cinema or Korean entertainment in general get its due today? Because people were curious, because people were willing to explore. Uh, how did people know about Indonesian horror, which is which is at the moment, you know, a very, let's just say a very hot potato kind of thing. Like a good looking potato from what I mean by hot, you know, like a very good looking potato in among horror writers right now. Because people were curious, because people were willing to explore. And Korea and Indonesia, I feel that they respond to that by realizing that oh shoot 
there's an invite for us. People are actually interested in what we do. Dang it, we should be better, right? Yeah, I think we totally should. So, you know, that's why they get to where they are. They get to be at the tip of people's tongues because there is interest. Mm-hmm. So, and because that happened to Korea, that happened to uh, Korean cinema, that happened to Indonesian cinema. Why can't that happen to Vietnamese cinema? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, not not too unreasonable of a request, I believe. No, no, not at all. Not not yeah. at all. Uh, well, um, when thank you very much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, before we go, if you would like to just say where you can be found online where some of your rank can be found online yes i totally can um so on social media on facebook instagram and twitter by the way i refuse to call it by its new name so um <laughs> yeah i mean you you can you can have at me but whatever anyway so on social media i am the viet who viet is It's uh, T-H-E-V-I-E-T-W-H-O-V-I-E-T. That's, uh, if you're in, if you're curious, that's actually a bilingual wordplay because Viet in Vietnam, Viet is Vietnamese for right. So actually my, my handle, my social media handle, all of them, if I have to translate them is like the Vietnamese who writes, but. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I I know. It's punny, right? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And where can you find me? Well, right now, I do admit that I bounce around a lot. (laughs) But uh, most recently, I would say that you can find me on RogerEbert.com. That I just had, I just had an article uh, on there, so it's just, it's, 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 it's been amazing. It's, it's incredible, but, uh, <laughs> but we'll talk more about that later. And um, where I'm also at, I am well right now. Since I'm in Vietnam, you can find me on uh, bilingual publications here uh, in Vietnamese, published in Vietnamese and English. Uh, They are called Saigonier and Vietcetera. So, but I haven't stopped working with uh, publications in the U.S. as well. Uh, All of them are very good friends of mine. Shout out to all of them. Uh, For example, like the people at Awards Watch or Fangoria, uh, sometimes uh, Slash Films or Texas Observer. So, yeah, told you I've answered around a lot. Sorry. Yeah, and I know, uh, I know it was yeah the Roger Ebert thing. Ju- you 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 just got published on Roger Ebert, and I know you were extremely excited. I can't wait to read that. It's about uh, Chen Wu Park's uh, Stoker, which is yes. one of his most underappreciated films because it is a fantastic film. I haven't seen it in a decade. I need to rewatch it. Um, but uh, when Thank you so much for being on here. And it was, again, it was an absolute pleasure. No, I think I'm the one who should be thanking you for, <laughs> you know, for, for, uh, for letting me be on here. It's just, um, yeah, it's just, uh, 
it's always nice to discover that, you know, there are actually people who are still curious about Vietnamese cinema, you know, as they should. <laughs> uh, but also not only that, but they are the same, those same curious uh, souls. They are also, they also host a platform where I can demonstrate, we can demonstrate that curiosity as well. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You. <laughs> yes. I'd like to thank Wen for joining me on the podcast. And uh, like I said, this is that was a uh, discussion that was a long time coming. And I am grateful to be able to have a platform for somebody like him to uh, bring not only his positivity, but to bring his knowledge of a subject that I'm not as knowledgeable about and uh, to share that with you guys. Uh, that's going to be it for this episode of the Sonic Cinema podcast. Uh, join us next time. Uh, the rest of this year is probably going to be pretty light, but it's, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, thank you very much. Uh, as always, check out patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema. You can now follow for free and get some uh, select uh, content for free to see if you're interested in subscribing financially. Uh, you can also check out Bandcamp for my musical uh, work as well as always Sonic Cinema at www.sonic-cinema.com. Thank you very much.